Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have globally recognized expert in nutrition and fasting, Cynthia Thurlow. always make reasons for why you can't do it and so inaction can be very paralyzing and so I remind people sometimes you just have to leap even though it you know everything in your body maybe it's telling you oh my gosh what are you doing like sometimes we just have to do that that's the only way we're going to get through it I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. I hope you're doing amazing today. I am pumped up to share such a wonderful conversation with you with a TEDx superstar. And I don't say that lightly. Cynthia Thurlow has two TEDx talks, one of them with almost 6 million views. And she's gonna share how that happened and she's gonna break down that TEDx talk in this conversation because that TEDx talk that has almost 6 million views was about intermittent fasting. And that's what we talk about on this podcast interview. We get into how Cynthia discovered intermittent fasting four years ago, her approach for being a nurse practitioner for 20 plus years, going from the conventional way of treating patients to now working with the body as a holistic functional view. We talk about why breakfast is not the most important meal of the day, (laughs) how it's actually the dumbest meal of the day, totally aligned with a lot of my podcast episodes. We talk about the best ways to reduce blood sugar, to stabilize your blood sugar, why you should start to break your fast with bone broth, the benefits of doing so. And then we're going to get into a topic that I just love speaking about, and that is the mental six pack, which I call how to build that mental six pack, how to build resiliency, confidence. And then we end the conversation with tips for achieving youthful skin. All right, we all want to look younger and feel younger. Cynthia is going to reveal her secrets in doing so. So I cannot wait to bring her on the show. You're going to love this conversation. Before I do, I want to acknowledge you for choosing the Keto Camp podcast out of all the podcasts out there. You chose this one, and I want to thank you so much for choosing this Keto Camp podcast. Our mission here at Keto Camp is to educate, is to inspire 1 billion people on planet Earth. I want to encourage you to take a screenshot of this episode and post it on Instagram and shoot myself a tag, shoot Cynthia a tag. My Instagram handle is at TheBenazadi and Cynthia's is at Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. We'll put links for that in the podcast notes. Please leave the show a rating and review if you haven't done so already. It really does help the show grow and it helps us with our efforts to get the message out there. If you're new to the podcast, I welcome you. Hit that subscribe button. Here on the Keto Camp Podcast, we release two to three brand new episodes every single week. And we have some of the most amazing thought leaders in the keto, fasting, functional health, and longevity space. So I encourage you to hit that subscribe button so you can start seeing the episodes that are coming out. 
I wanted to let you know about a brand new webinar I'm hosting on June 19th, 2020. I'm gonna be talking about four ways to master the ketogenic lifestyle and how to do it with intermittent fasting. No brain fog required, no keto flu required, and how to do it the right way. This webinar is 100% free. However, my Zoom capacity only allows me 500 registrants, meaning only 500 people can attend this webinar. This webinar is 62% full at the moment. If you're hearing this on time, I'd love for you to take action and head over to benazadiwebinar.com. You are also going to receive over $200 worth in free keto meal plans. You're going to get a few of my books digital downloaded and a keto smoothie recipe book. That's only for those who attend the webinar live. And I encourage you to only sign up if you could make the webinar live. I can't guarantee that this will be recorded and I want those who register to actually show up. So if you register and you're not gonna show up, you're going to take the spot of somebody else who can show up. So please only register if you can show up. It is June 19th, which is a Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. If you wanna learn more, head to benazadiwebinar.com to learn more about it. If you wanna watch the video interview with Cynthia Thurlow, that can be found on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash ketocamp. By the way, we're about to hit 100,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. That's a credit to you all. So thank you so much. Have so much love and gratitude for you all out there supporting the channel. If you're struggling to find the right foods on your ketogenic lifestyle, I highly recommend you check out Kettle and Fire's new lineup of keto soups. They are delicious, they live up to my high standards of quality ingredients, and they'll help you accelerate your ketogenic results. Visit kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout for a 15% off. That is kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp. All right, let's get into this amazing conversation with the awesome, the incredible, the super confident and super knowledgeable Cynthia Thurlow. Cynthia Thurlow is a globally recognized expert in nutrition and intermittent fasting, a highly sought after speaker, CEO, and founder of Everyday Wellness Project. She's been a nurse practitioner for 20 plus years. She is a two times TEDx speaker. Her second talk on intermittent fasting has been viewed nearly 6 million times. Cynthia has been featured on ABC, Fox 5, KTLA, CW, and in Medium and Entrepreneur. She's also the host of Everyday Wellness Podcast, which has been listed as 20 podcasts that will help you grow in 2020 by Entrepreneur Magazine. By the way, she recently interviewed me for her podcast, which will be out soon, so go listen to that. Cynthia Thurlow, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thanks for having me. I've been really, really looking forward to connecting with you. The feeling is mutual. I'm excited to talk all things fasting, women's health, and all the amazing work that you're doing, and that TEDx talk that's gone viral. <laughs> uh, how, however, before we do that, let's talk about your story. How did you go from, actually, share your story with my audience who has no idea where you came from and what you're doing in this world. Share your story. Yeah, so I started as a nurse in ER medicine many years ago in Baltimore, and I'm a total adrenaline junkie, so that was a great environment for me to, to be in. And then, you know, at the time that I was accepted to my bachelor's program, at, at that time, nurse practitioners were master's prepared, so I was also accepted to a graduate program. And so while I was an ER nurse, I was also in my nurse practitioner program. And 
when I finished, I jumped into another adrenaline fueled environment. I went into cardiology and did that for 16 years. And I, I love everything about the heart. And I like the excitement of having really sick patients and figuring things out and, and you know, putting the puzzle pieces together. But when I became a parent, my oldest had really severe eczema. And so that started my journey of, of maybe perhaps thinking that maybe something I was eating, because at the time he was a baby and he was breastfeeding, and, and that took me down the, the rabbit hole of, is it something I'm eating that's making his skin so you know inflamed? And of course, the traditional kind of Western medicine mindset is you provide medications that reduce symptoms. And so lots of topical steroids and things like that. And you know, I read a book called The Unhealthy Truth. I don't know if you've read it. No, I have not read that one. It's a book that changed my life. And I, I always tell people that I read each chapter and had to pause because it made me so angry, really talking about the interrelationship between processed food industry and how our food is produced and how that impacts our health in, in negative ways. And so I read that book and a few others and started really thinking about, was I happy writing prescriptions or was there more to this in terms of our health and wellness than you know, what I was seeing? And, and to be honest and to be fair, by the time you end up seeing a cardiologist or seeing me, you're pretty sick. You've got disease already. It's not generally, it's not healthy people that we were seeing. So someone who is already diabetic, has vascular disease, et cetera. And so I spent a few years, and, and at the time, my children, they're only two years apart, were pretty young. So the thought of doing a doctoral program came up, and I took a class, and I hated it. And then I became a wellness coach, and that was fun, but I didn't really want to do that. And then I ran across a woman who wrote a book called Eat the Oaks. And I read her book and, and you know, read her blog and reached out to her and said, I'm just really curious, like, where did you get your education? Where did that come from? I'm really interested in nutrition. I think that's what really lights me up. And so that began this journey of doing the same training that she did through the Nutritional Therapy Association. And then I felt like I met my tribe. It was people who were looking differently at health and wellness, looking at disease differently, looking at root cause. It opened up a whole other world. And the irony is in this class of 30, five of us were healthcare providers. There was one physician and then the rest of us were nurses. And that class really changed everything for me and really forced me to examine what was I doing at work? And it wasn't that I didn't toe the party line. I mean, I believe in Western medicine. There is a place for it, for emergencies, urgencies, but we don't do a great job with prevention and we don't do a great job with chronic disease management. And we sure as heck don't talk about food, very few of us. So for a few years, I kind of existed in that space and would get referrals from my cardiologist friends and they would kind of pat me on the back. And they're like, oh, isn't it cute? She's interested in food. And I would say, no, if I, I really could do more for our patients, if I could practice the way that I want to. And so long story short, four years ago, I woke up one morning and I decided I was done. And I'm married to an engineer and engineers and people that have that kind of mindset don't really like surprises. And I got up and I gave my notice that day. I remember it was February of 2016 and I left in on April 1st, 2016 and dove into entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial space, not really knowing what my niche was, not really knowing what the heck I was doing. I just felt very committed to making an even larger impact and being able to do it on my terms. I was tired at that time in the state that I reside in. Nurse practitioners do not practice autonomously. And I was really, frankly, tired of other people telling me what to do. And as an entrepreneur, generally, you can decide how you want to handle the problem. And I, honest to goodness, like fell into a wall and started seeing consistent 
concerns that were being expressed by women of a certain age. And by this, I mean women north of 35. And so from that point, I fell into this kind of female hormonal health space. As an introvert, I decided that I needed to challenge myself further, and I decided to uh, apply for some TED Talks. I ended up getting two. The second one is the one that you referenced a little bit earlier. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm really, I'm doing exactly what I should be doing now. I think this is what, beyond being my boy's mom, I'm really designed and destined to do the kind of work that I'm doing and making a larger impact on the world. And so as I always like to say, I like to educate, inspire, and empower men and women to live their best lives uh, and to not just accept the status quo. And, and especially those of us that are north of 40, <laughs> because there are a lot of limiting beliefs that I, I truly believe disempower people from you know, living in a way that their bodies are designed to live. Amen. And I, and I want to talk about those limited beliefs and what women think is the normal to when they go through perimenopause, menopause, they think that that's just the way it is. But we'll get to that because it doesn't have to be that way. But my question for you is, well, first of all, that TEDx talk is phenomenal. You delivered such a great talk. I'm not surprised that it has almost six million views at the date of this recording because I watched it probably last August or last September, several months ago. And I said, this woman knows what she's talking about. That's when I actually just got introduced <laughs> to your work. And, I, and then I started studying you some more and then we connected online. But I was like, yes, everything you said on there resonated with me so much because you talked about the science of intermittent fasting. So my question to you is this, why intermittent fasting? How did you get into it? Why is it such a powerful process for you to teach? Mm, well, my story starts four years ago when in the space of one week, three different women talked to me about it. And my traditional kind of Western medicine mindset is I have to look at the research. I have to look at this. I don't believe this is that effective. I bought Jason Fung's book, who I respect enormously, read it, decided to do it. Uh, because being a middle-aged woman, I was dealing with a lot of what my patients deal with, which is they all of a sudden start gaining weight. They can't sleep. They're lost. They're like, what in the heck's going on with my body? And so I started getting really incredible results. And I'm like, this makes sense because I never liked eating breakfast. I never was like a breakfast food person. And I would recognize that I had been conditioned to believe that you know, back in the days when I was seeing patients in the hospital, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning. I would go to take these crazy conditioning CrossFit classes. I would shower at the gym. I would go straight to the hospital. And in between, I would be like having a protein shake, then another protein shake, then I'd have a mid-morning snack, then I'd eat, you know, if I could eat at lunchtime, then, the, you know, mid-afternoon snack and then dinner. And I'm like, it makes so much sense that our bodies are not designed to be eating all day long. This makes like intellectually makes a lot of sense to me. So I did it and really became passionate about it. And, and it took me a while to start introducing patients to it because so many of the people that were coming to me had blood sugar problems. And it wasn't that they were diabetic or that they were even insulin resistant. It was that they were hypoglycemic. You know, their blood sugars were low and, and that's how they've been conditioned. We would, you know, no fat, uh, protein and carbs, lots of carbs, carbs throughout the day. And, you know, carbs are, depending on what, mindset you embrace in terms of nutritional philosophies. We don't technically need carbohydrates, but we like carbohydrates, right? And so when you try to tell people to stop eating carbs, usually that sends off panic alarms in their brain. But I started to recognize how much better I slept, how much more energy I had. And then I felt a strong sense of you know, sharing that information with people. And here's the funny thing, you know, I'd applied to a bunch of TED Talks. It's, it's really like a volume-based opportunity. You want to apply to as many as you can. And when I accepted my first, I also was accepted to do my second, 
the problem being you can't present the same information. And I remember I had to make a decision within a couple of days, what was I going to talk about for that second TED Talk? And I looked at my husband and I said, well, what do I know a lot about? And he was like, intermittent fasting. I was like, okay, so I'll talk about intermittent fasting. And then just thinking like, this is no big deal. I know a lot about this already. I don't have to prepare as much as I did for my first one. And when you've been through that process a second time, it's not nearly as overwhelming. And you know, getting back to that mindset piece, when we're going against convention, when we're going against conventional dogma, it's having the confidence to stand on our own and say, I know this is what we've been conditioned to believe throughout our lives, but I just, I call BS. Like, I want to be a disruptor. I want to question what we've been told. And when you look at the processed food industry and General Mills and all those cereal companies, it benefits them if they convince us that we need to consume all these breakfast products, which are largely crap and garbage because it benefits them. It doesn't benefit our health. And if you look at a more ancestral health perspective, our bodies are really designed to fast and then feast and then fast again, not as opposed to this, you know, roller coaster of blood sugar uh, that most of us kind of grow up embracing. And through no fault of our own, you know, we kind of have this kind of universal dogma about food. And unless you live outside this culture, I believe that most of us have that ingrained in our, literally ingrained in our brains that we eat all the time. We need to be snacking. And I'm like, no, no, snacking is making us fat. <laughs> Chronic insulin secretion is making us fat. This is not a good thing. So that's kind of initially where it started from. A couple girlfriends who I am forever indebted to, they don't even realize you know, how much of an impact that had on me. But the fact that I had so many people in a short span of time bring it up was the universe's way of telling me to embrace it, consider it, try it, et cetera. I love it. Well, you had the awareness to realize that was happening and then you took action. Mm -hmm. So it's the awareness, the action, boom. So I, I love that. And I want to stay on the topic of snacking because one of the doctors that I work with, Dr. Don Klum, he did a survey with hundreds of his patients when he started working with them to see how many times per day they were eating. And the definition of eating is anytime you raise glucose and insulin, so even a snack. And the average was 17 to 21 times per day. Wow, that's scary. <laughs> so that means in, his, in that category, the average American in his category and his group eat 17 to 21 times per day. And you think about it, how is that even possible? Well, it's possible because of the handful of almonds, the protein bar, the yogurt. You just spoke about it, secreting insulin. So the question that I'm getting to is this. Somebody listening right now is thinking, I want to fast. I hear so many benefits of fasting, Cynthia, but my blood sugar drops like you just explained. How do I fast with that going on when I just can't focus with my blood sugars dropping so fast? Well, I think first, and this is this is the workaround, is first we need to stabilize your blood sugar. So each meal, whether you're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, each meal needs to have protein and healthy fats first. First and foremost, and if you've earned your carbohydrates, and it should be the non-processed variety, and it should be tangible portions, or it should be green leafy vegetables that you're adding to your plate as opposed to rice and pasta and bread that we are kind of conditioned and ingrained to consume. So we have to stabilize our blood sugar first. What I generally recommend is that, for example, if you have breakfast, you're going to have bacon and eggs and some avocado is a great example, or making sure that your omelet or your eggs are cooked in ghee or butter. You want to ensure those healthy fats are going to keep you satiated. Now, if you're hungry two hours later, you need to rethink what it is that you just consumed. Because I always tell my, my ladies, I'm like, listen, if you're hungry within an hour or two or three of eating, your macros are off. I don't like to use the word calories. In fact, I despise the word calories. Uh, I always say macros. You have to get your portion sizes. And most of us don't eat enough protein. And so that, that's problem number one, especially for women. 
So making sure you've got the, the satiating effects of protein and healthy fats. Once you get your blood sugar stable where you're not having energy dips, then you can kind of move on to the concept of fasting. But here's the other caveat. You absolutely positively need to dial in on your stress and your sleep. If you can't sleep through the night, I can't get you to lose weight. If you can't uh, get your stress level dialed in, um, that's a problem. And I, I like to always remind people of the statistic. Actually, Dr. Anna Kabeca taught me this. Um, we have 40% more receptors for cortisol in our abdomen. So if we are stressed out and we're feeling like we're gaining weight in our abdomens, I'm like, first and foremost, your body is really, instead of keeping cortisol, I mean, cortisol is a necessary hormone, let's be clear. But if we're constantly tapping into cortisol and we're super stressed out, it's going to show in our guts amongst a few other places. So you want to ensure your sleep is dialed in, your macros are on point, and that your stress levels are properly managed. And then the, the other piece that I would say that I think is important and worth noting, if someone's beginning an intermittent fasting journey, and if you're a woman and you're still getting your periods and your periods suddenly get really wonky or they go away or they suddenly you know, they become very irregular. If that doesn't straighten itself out pretty quickly, then it might be a sign that your body perceives it's too much of a stressor. And, and that means that it's not anything wrong with you. That's your body. It's your body's perception of what that stressor is doing. You know, these hormetic stressors, which are designed to be beneficial and make us stronger as individuals, are not perceived the same way in everyone's bodies. You know, what may work for Ben and I may not work for you. So you have to just be attuned to bioindividuality for sure. Yeah, great explanation. And I follow a similar approach in my Keto Camp Academy where if I bring somebody who's a pure sugar burner eating every two to three hours, I first tell them exactly what you just said. Have more protein, have more fat, especially the protein because we know it really satiates you. It activates those um, satiety hormones and chemicals in the body. Then we start eliminating the snacks. We just do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then we start eliminating the breakfast. But you just said it. If your your period all of a sudden is going away or it's irregular, that's a sign you might be doing too much fasting. And one of the best ways to test for that is during your fasting window, test your glucose and your ketones. If you see your ketones rise throughout that fast and glucose drop, that's a good fasting window for you. But if you see the opposite, it's too much of a stressor like Cynthia just said. So a lot of cool biohacks we can do. I'm curious, Cynthia, what, what are your three favorite, if you had to choose three favorite benefits of fasting, intermittent fasting, what would it be? Oh, I think with those lowered insulin levels, the mental clarity is probably my most favorite. And, and I think because I'm such a morning person anyway. So for me, it's like, if I can get up and I can get two hours of writing in and I can work out and my kids are doing their school stuff, I just like knowing I got lots of energy. I would say that's number one. Number two, it's the improved like digestive process. I think when we don't have as much food sitting around, like I don't deal with bloating, you know, my elimination schedule is on schedule. That's something obviously I really enjoy. And then I would say thirdly, it's it's all the benefits of autophagy, you know, that, you know, spring cleaning of our cells. I, I think that the more I understand about autophagy, the more I want to do to support it. And so that's probably what I would say are my top three. What I can tell you is everyone talks about weight loss as it comes to intermittent fasting, but they stay for all the other benefits. Like they're attracted because they want to lose weight because who doesn't have a couple pounds maybe they want to lose or more, but they'll always say like, I feel so much better. This is what reinforces the behavior. I don't see it as a hardship. Once they get over the hurdle of being hungry and, and recognizing there's there's so many differences between like, oh, it's eight o'clock in the morning and Kellogg's has told me it's time to eat breakfast versus maybe my body really isn't actually truly hungry until 10 or 11 a.m. And isn't that nice? I have to worry about like one less thing in the morning. So 
Love it. Yeah, those are three very powerful benefits, and none of them are weight loss. You're right. A lot of people come to keto and fasting for the weight loss, but they actually stay for the health, and that's fasting included. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years, and then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN4. B-E-N and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You talk a lot about something that I love and I want to talk about it now, which is a lot of people are focusing on the external, their appearance, rightfully so. I mean, we want to look young. We want to, it's fine. But what they're neglecting, a lot of people are neglecting is what's going on in the inside. So speak about that. Why is it important to inner size, if you will, and focus on our thoughts and what's going on in the inside of our bodies? Yeah, I mean, it's really what makes us most interesting, right? You know, the the inner work that we do for many of us that are in social distancing times, I think that's what's keeping us sane is saying, okay, this is temporary. So having that internal dialogue and being honest with yourself about what works and what doesn't work. I find that many people, you know, I call them the evolved individuals that I I like to gravitate towards. They're very aware of limiting beliefs. They're very aware of negative intrusive thoughts. They're very aware of where their energies need to go. They're more tapped into kind of that rest and repose side of the body. You know, what's the, the inner work that I need to do so that when I look in the mirror, I don't freak out because I don't look like I did when I was 20 and I'm okay with that. And what's the kind of work that I do so that you know, I, I always say like the inner radiance, whether you're a man or a female, really comes from the kind of work that you do that's the hard stuff. Inner work's a whole heck of a lot more challenging than external work is. And I don't care who it is that we're talking about. Um, I, I tell my children all the time, like I am a huge advocate of doing energy work and Reiki work and work that's dealing with the yuck. You know, the things you want to avoid dealing with are oftentimes the things that make us stronger. And so uh, inner conflict or external things that are un, unexpected that come into our lives, the way that we work through it and, and continue on a path that allows us to be positive and be an example to our friends, family, children, et cetera, is you know, deciding for ourselves, do you want to live a life of fulfillment or do you want to live a life you know, being like wah, 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 kind of that kind of negative 
you know, a kind of low energy vibe, which is not the way that like Debbie Downer is what correct. you're saying. Correct. Yes. You know, the glass <laughs> half, uh, half empty kind of person. Empty, yep. That's just not, that's not where I come from. And I find the mindset of abundance that comes from being that way and acknowledging there are lots of amazing people doing lots of amazing things is far healthier than coming from a scarcity mindset or, you know, really embracing limiting beliefs. You know, there's this really cool term called neuroplasticity, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but our thoughts become our actions. And so for me, I'm always envisioning where I can see myself going. Even when I did that, that Ted talk, the second one, after being so sick, uh, I kept saying to my family and my surgeon who thought I was bananas, uh, I was like, I just need to know that my brain still works. Cause I know if I can stand on that stage and I can do this talk, then I've proven to myself that this illness did not literally tear me down and kill me. So, you know, from, from my perspective, I just always remind people that mindset is the most important thing we possess. No one can take that from us. That is completely solely based on the own work that we are doing inside and how we choose to be influenced. You know, what kind of books do you read? Are you, you know, using social distancing to better yourself? Are you using social distancing to, you know, head the opposite direction? It's all a choice. We don't have a lot of control right now, but we do have control over the way that we um, embrace and pivot and um, accept what's going on in the world. So all that internal work is is what I feel is most important. Amen. I was uh, listening to a podcast with you this morning as I was making my coffee to get ready for today's interview. And you were talking about this and I was like, man, I, I just love what you were sharing. And my girlfriend was in the other room, my girlfriend, Natasia, and she said, what book are you listening to? Who, who is that? <laughs> because my girlfriend is all about this. She has a podcast called Be You Not Them, which is about mm-hmm. empowering women. Mm-hmm. And she just loved what you were sharing. So she started well, looking you up. And I, and I, so you might get an email from her to get on her podcast. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. <laughs> so let's stay on this topic because what are some, you mentioned books. What are some other practical things we can do right now to build what I call this mental six? pack? How can we build this mental six pack right now? Well, you know, from my perspective, I mean, it all starts with sleep. You got to sleep. You got to sleep well and high quality sleep, which means cold, dark room off of electronics and cold means 65 degrees. Like my family has come to understand we need to be cold when we sleep. We all sleep better. So for me, it generally starts with, you know, physical activity in the morning. If I don't get outside first thing in the morning, I'm always outside walking my dog. So sunlight first exposure in the morning, physical activity obviously is really critical. Intermittent fasting is a huge part of that. I really enjoy drinking tea. We know there are polyphenols and there are components uh, in tea that are really beneficial for boosting autophagy. And then, you know, for me, a lot of my day is really mitigated by what am I going to do for my brain? So when I sit down to write, obviously my, my study is quiet, but if I'm working on client stuff, if I'm organizing things in my office, I'm either listening to a book or I am listening to a podcast because to me, I, I enjoy being active and actively listening. And so if you were to look at what's on my desk right now, it's very heavily slanted towards keto, fasting, et cetera, because I'm, I'm in the midst of you know, kind of gathering information for how I'm writing. But I'm, you know, to give you another side, like I've been listening to Madeline Albright's book on fascism, which is amazing. And so intermittently, I, I just think we have to, we have to fill our, our brains with good information. And so some of mine is, I mean, granted, a lot of what I'm listening to right now is nonfiction, but that's okay. But we need to read for pleasure. I have a muse. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It helps with meditation. It helps me. I'm very type A. And so it helps me stay focused when I'm meditating. Um, I also have a device called BrainTap, again, good for you know, keeping me kind of tapped into the parasympathetic. 
And so obviously like connecting with my family and my kids are old enough now that they get their schoolwork done. They can kind of grab meals by themselves, but making sure we're connecting again at the end of the day is really important. And then I try, you know, somewhere, somewhere between all of that, I've showered and I've really been aiming to do some cold water therapy. So um, I, I'm not working up to like a 15 minute cold shower, but I can do a minute or two. So at the end of my shower, really to kind of tap you back into that parasympathetic, very Wim Hofy nodding things that I think are so incredibly cool. You know, when I'm not social distancing, I love an infrared sauna. I don't have one in my house. I hope to eventually do that one day, but really finding ways to like be grounded. You know, it's, it's not as warm here in Washington, DC, but we're supposed to get into the eighties later this week, which is exciting. Wow. Um, that's really warm for us. Um, I'm excited that now we're actually getting towards the time of the year where I can get my feet in the earth. I can stand outside in the grass. Being grounded to the earth is very balancing and making sure whatever foods I'm eating, like I cycle my carbs. So I'm low carb, but I cycle my carbs based on my physical activity. And I find for myself that, you know, really focusing on meat first, I do really well, small portions of fats, because that's what works best for my body. And then, you know, adding in some carbs, but the kinds of carbs that I myself eat may not be what other people eat because I'm gluten grains and dairy free and oxalate free. So I'm very happy in my space. People always kind of go, oh my gosh, I feel badly for you. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. My body works well at this stage. So those are kind of an overview of some of the things that I embrace to keep me healthy physically and emotionally. Yeah, that's a great list right there. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> well, what about somebody listening right now or, or watching on YouTube? Because this is going to go on YouTube as well. What about somebody who's resonating with what you're saying, but they're they're struggling right now to have confidence in themselves to maybe become an entrepreneur? They're working at a job where they're not happy and they're they've been wanting to take that leap of faith like you did. Uh, they're just struggling to have that confidence in themselves. What are some first steps they can do to build that confidence in themselves? Well, I think it's it really requires being attuned to what lights you up. Like, what are you passionate about? And, you know, using that as a guide, I mean, I, I tend to be like, my mindset is always the researcher. So I have to research before I take action. And so if you tend to be more like that, I would find individuals that you can talk to. I can't tell you how grateful I am that there were so many entrepreneurs of, along that beginning journey or even before I leaped that were willing to take five minutes, 10 minutes out of their day to talk to me. And so I'm always receptive. I always remind, remind myself how grateful I was to have 15 minutes or 30 minutes of someone's time back then. And it's when they were really taking the time to invest in me. So I think you have to do your research. You got to do the internal work. I, I think that it's really important for us to recognize what, you know, ultimately drives us, you know, some of us have, you know, a, a different locus of control than others. I'm very process driven and very left brain, but I have this balancing right side of my brain. So I, I would encourage you to talk to people maybe that are in the field you're interested in, do some research, listen to podcasts. I, I think it's really important to do the mindset piece, whether it's Brené Bound, Glennon Doyle, Byron Kelly, and there's tons of like great podcast content. You can just get on and listen to their podcasts or their interviews, you know, really be inspired by others, people that have forged a path. It doesn't have to be in the same environment that you're in. It can really be very beneficial. And then having a, if you're not able to leap all at once, you know, creating a plan, putting money away, uh, deciding for yourself what that looks like, you know, considering getting coached. I believe that every great entrepreneur has coaching that goes on throughout their lifetime. I know that a lot of people object, you know, it's those scarcity mindset. Oh my gosh, I don't want to make that investment. The best investments I made in my business have been 
large financial investments in my business. And sometimes it means you sacrifice in other areas. You know, I um, have had a couple coaches and each one has taught me. And in fact, I still have a coach. I'm part of a mastermind. It's really valuable and important for me to be accountable and to know that I've got other people that maybe are farther along in their journey that I can look forward at. And then also I can contribute to people who are maybe newer in their journey and inspire them as well. So I, I believe those connections within the entrepreneurial space are really critical. But depending on where you are and if you're really struggling with you know, the confidence issues, it's really examining like, why do you want to do this? Because being an entrepreneur is the hardest thing you will ever do, the most rewarding thing you will ever do. You'll have great days, you'll have terrible days. I mean, it's like they talk about the journey is like this on a daily basis. You have tremendous self-doubt and you just really have to persevere and believe in your message and believe that you have something valuable to share with the world. I believe that is really critical and that will help guide you. I always say kind of fake it till you make it. You know, having that confidence that you will figure it out. Sometimes we just jump blindly and Sometimes it's like you have to jump off a cliff in order to do it because you'll always make reasons for why you can't do it. And so inaction can be very paralyzing. And so I remind people, sometimes you just have to leap, even though it, you know, everything in your body maybe is telling you, oh my gosh, what are you doing? It's like sometimes we just have to do that. That's the only way we're going to get through it. Mm, well said. Some of the best things that ever happened to me was that, was financial investments, big leaps. And uh, I was so scared and, and I leaned into that fear and magnificence has come as a result of it. And Bob Proctor once said, jump because you'll develop wings along the way. And that's exactly what, what, what you just said. When your why becomes strong, figure out what your why is, your highest value, your highest purpose the how becomes easier. He starts getting all these pieces together. Like you had those women who shared about intermittent fasting. The universe starts to conspire to help you out. So that's a great share that you did right there. Let's transition away from the mental six-pack component. Talk about anti-aging, how to achieve youthful looking skin. What, what are three things the audience could do to uh, what I call the Benjamin Button effect, reverse age themselves? <laughs> um, well, of course, you know, my first answer is going to be autophagy. So, uh, you know, I, I think that would be the first thing. You got to sleep. I know sleep appears to not be a sexy topic, but if you talk to all the big biohackers, they always talk about sleep. Sleep is critical. And if you're having trouble sleeping, figuring out why you're having trouble sleeping. And so that doesn't mean taking melatonin every night. That doesn't mean taking CBD oil every night. That means you have to figure out and do the work. Is it a blood sugar problem? Are your adrenals stressed? Is your stress out of control? Is your room too hot? Are you exposed to light? Uh, I would say the other thing is probably a combination of hydration and then just eating, not eating crap. Like I really believe a lot of the reason why I look younger than I am is because I eat a really fairly healthy diet. I'm certainly not perfect, but the foods that I choose to incorporate into my diet are foods that are going to provide you know, structurally are going to provide the building blocks for, you know, amino acids and healthy fats and things that are really important. And I tend to stay away from junk sugary stuff because we know it has a negative detrimental impact not only on our blood sugar, but can also impact our skin in a very negative way. Now, I could tell you that I wear a lot of sunscreen, but I don't. And I'll tell you why. When I started eating a largely, a car and I say carnivore-ish diet, I didn't need as much sunscreen. I haven't burned in a long time. And so I, I just think that you know fundamentally, people always say, oh, you probably have a hat on. You probably wear sunscreen. Yeah, I probably wear a hat. I don't wear sunscreen very often. My dermatologist would be unhappy if she heard me say that. But I also, you know, think another component to just, you know, aging in reverse is just being a happy person. 
and just being joyful and having joy in your life. And I know that's not as tangible and that could mean something very different to every single person that you speak to, but you know, being happy and healthy in your interpersonal relationships and doing something you love translates into, you know, the radiance that we kind of, whether we're male or female, that, you know, kind of is uh, accessible and Lastly, I would say that's probably more than three. That's okay. Um, Keep being, going. Just being, to, no, just being confident and and saying, you know, heck, I know I don't look the way I did when I was 25. I'm so glad I'm not 25 years old anymore. I'm so much more self-assured, confident, and happy at 48 than I ever thought I could be. So uh, just having the confidence that you have a lot of control over how you age and whether you do it gracefully or not. And the things that I mentioned really do make a big difference. And so less feeding, more fasting, more sleep, eat better food, be around joyful, be around people that make you feel joyful and happy and uh, find something that you love to do because life is too short to not love what you're doing. It really is. Amen. You know, that's a great list of five things to do (laughs) for a longer, healthier life. Because imagine if there was like a printout of what you just said and, and doctors handed it to their patients. I mean, what kind of a difference could they make just by doing that? Instead of focusing on the effect, because there's always a cause for an effect. And what you just said tackles the cause. So thank you for that share. I have a a couple more questions for you. Let's say you woke up tomorrow morning and there was this treasure chest beside your, your bed. And you open it up and there's this magic wand and there's a little note that says, when you wave this wand, you have the power to teach the world a rule to follow. So all 7.7 billion people, they follow this rule. And the goal is to put a dent in disease. We see all the statistics out there with cancer and diabetes and autism. With this one rule that you enforce into the world, that's your goal of reversing all that. What would be that one rule that you enforce upon the world? Mm. Well, you know, I lean heavily towards fasting, but that's probably my anticipative response. I would say just outlaw snacking. Like just eat meals, no more snacks. If you got rid of the crap and the garbage, people would do so much better. And again, it goes back to, if you look at ancestral health perspectives, they probably ate a water buffalo and then they didn't eat for a couple of days, or if they did, it ate like twigs and bark or maybe some berries. And so I think it's really critical that if we want to keep insulin levels low, if we want to you know, keep our energy consistent, if we want to sleep better, get rid of snacking. We don't need to snack. We enjoy snacking. When you go on vacation, when you're out with your loved ones, you're having a dinner, maybe you do snack, but like the day-to-day, the night, you know, the 80, 20 or 90, 10, depending on what age range you're in, I would say getting rid of snacking. Like if I could wave a wand and make that, I mean, you look at like, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and my mother, who was a second generation American, Italian mother, they're bossy, they're very, you know, fixated on the food that you consume. And my mother's rule was you eat breakfast and you go outside until lunchtime. And then you eat lunch and you aren't home again until dinner time. And we didn't snack. There were no snacks. I think I was thrilled one time when my mom bought Twinkies and they were horrible. And I don't think we should ever bought them again. But the point being, we've gotten so far away from eating the way that our bodies are designed to eat, that that is the single biggest problem that we are facing. Like when I look at statistics and we look at the way things have kind of correlated with the development of high fructose corn syrup and processed food industry and the rise in obesity in this country and the fact that my children's generation may not fare as well as my generation. I find that disheartening and it's because of the food we eat and a lot of other reasons. But I think the A number one 
problem right now is the chronic habitual snacking. Yep, it is. I will say if you want to age faster than anybody you know and develop chronic disease, eat every two to three hours. You'll get there fast. So right on. Uh, the big food companies don't like that answer, by the no, way. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. My final question for you is, let's say it's 100, 150 years from now, since you're going to live a long, healthy life. So 150 years from now, your great, great, great grandkids, they've been reading your work, your videos, your the book you're writing right now, <laughs> all the stuff that you're creating. What are they going to say about you, Cynthia? Uh, what are they going to say, about, looking at your work and the history of the things you put on Palm This World, what would they say about you? I was a disruptor. I made people change their perceptions of how we age, how we live, how we sleep, that I was a huge advocate for all humans, you know, not just females and children and, and men, but really helping to educate, inspire, and empower a generation to take better care of themselves. I, I think we're at a point where there has to be a tipping point. I know there are a lot of us that are in this space, which I think is wonderful. We're the you know, kind of wellness warriors, but there needs to be more of us. And uh, I hope I can inspire other people to you know, continue on this very valuable work and you know, be a disruptor. Don't be afraid to be contrarian and to speak out against the status quo because we can't be sheep. If we're sheep, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm, yes, that's right. So Cynthia, the disruptor. I love that. <laughs> Where is the best place for my audience to go check you out? Yeah. So website is a great place to start. You can see the podcast, Everyday Wellness, www.cynthiathurlow.com. I am active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have a free Facebook group called Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle backslash Cynthia Thurlow. Very original, I know. And uh, we just started a Intermittent Fasting Masterclass, which has completely blown me away. We were beta testing this masterclass just to kind of see how the content would resonate. And we blew almost doubled what we were hoping to have for a beta test phase. So we're, we'll run it again in the fall. But yeah, very grateful. And I'm very active. You know, my team helps me out, but generally it's my voice that you see uh, all over social media. It's not a contrived individual. So Awesome. I love it. And we'll put links for all that down below in the podcast notes and the YouTube video. So go check out Cynthia's work. Cynthia, I want to acknowledge you for being a disruptor, for choosing root cause health over what I call the whack-a-mole game of symptoms. Uh, you had a scary decision to make to become an entrepreneur, and I'm sure friends and family members were selling you your nuts, and, but you didn't listen to them. You listened to your purpose, and I admire that. And I, I love what you're doing. I'm grateful to be connected with you. I'm grateful to come on your podcast soon, and you're, you're just doing such incredible work out there. So thank you for your time today, and keep sharing that message. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that awesome discussion with Cynthia and myself. Go show us some love on Instagram by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting that on Instagram. Shoot me a tag at the Benazadi. Shoot Cynthia a tag at Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. If you want to check out her information, her TEDx talk and everything we spoke about, that can be found in the notes of this podcast. We have Rachel puts it all together for you in a nice, beautiful structure along with timestamps and everything else you need from this episode. I encourage you to watch the video version of this interview with Cynthia over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp. If you got any value from this conversation and you have not left the show a rating and review yet, please do so on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. And a reminder, if you want to be one of those 500 individuals who come on my webinar, the Keto and Fasting webinar taking place June 19th, head over to benazadiwebinar.com. Check it out 
I'd love for you to attend and only sign up if you could make it live. I want to thank you so much, Keto Camper, for listening to the entire episode through. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.